Hi everyone, this is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. And I am so thrilled today to have my beautiful soul sister, Helen Glover, with me all the way from Australia. Hi, Dawn. Uh, hi, Helen. Um, Helen is the creator of the podcast called The Modern Masculine. She is a 47-year-old single mom of four. Oh my gosh, I stopped at three. How do you do four? <laughs> uh, she's, Helen's had uh, experience from interior de design to vocational coaching through uh, mentoring and public speaking on authenticity in a stage show called, why don't you say the name, Helen, for us? What happens if we never get our shit together? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All of these careers had one thing in common, beauty. From the beauty of a home to reflect the beauty of the soul living there to the pure beauty of living your truth and owning your path. I am so happy that you're with me today. Welcome, oh, thank Helen. You. Thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> Such a pleasure. So... Because we have experienced, both experienced divorce, yeah. I want to ask you about your struggles in your past relationships. Mm. What, what have you learned? How have you grown? Um, what have you, what kind of getting your shit together have you done? <laughs> and what kind of shit have you lived through? Yeah, yeah. Big question, darling. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, and it's not just um, our relationships with men, is it? It's our relationships no. with parents that then lead to relationships with men, which lead to relationships with women who aren't necessarily the best people for us too. Right. Um, I've definitely, um, I think all conflict starts with insecurity. Mm. The more insecure you are and the more... Um, untrusting or the more concerned you are about not being loved purely the more we seem to put up to fight with um and that's been my experience for sure i know that relationships in my early 20s were um volatile i just was um dealing with um so much insecurity and difficulty in my own person mm -hmm. that I, um, yeah, I was, I was hard work, you know, like I was, um, yeah, I brought an anger to the relationship really, I think. And, um, and um, a, a disparity in what I was feeling for the person and in my behavior, they were, they were quite different and um and I I didn't understand myself I didn't understand my behavior I'd be like why did I say that or what was that even about like I yeah it was so things would come out of you and you it was like you weren't even recognizing yourself yeah yeah and I, and it was just pure um uncontrolled emotion you know it was that uh, I was at that stage you know when you're in your 20s and you go out into the world and you've been through some things that have caused um you know you to come from shaky ground and you, right. you're finding need. and in that um you're not always in control of your own behavior um your accountability is off isn't it right um, 
I think it come that comes with age and and a lot of us um, you know we start our important relationships in our twenties you know right, right. the guys who we have our babies with from this really strange place of of shaky ground where we're not quite sure about ourselves. I know for me, I let a lot of things go because I kind of had this, oh, wow, I'm just so lucky to have somebody who's going to love me because I'm not that great, you know? Wow. Um, yeah. And that took some years to find um, that belief. But certainly I can own that now and I, I definitely don't have it anymore. <laughs> Thank uh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) But I did for a while there, you know, where I just kind of like, you know, there's that, oh God, don't rock the boat, you know. And um, and so you end up for me, I I keep saying you, but I'm personally, um I I was in situations in friendships and in, in my um kind of spouse relationship where um I certainly wasn't getting my needs met and of course then there'd be the spill of that where it would all kind of spill out in an argument that was again that unconscious emotion because there was no um genuinely showing up to yourself daily right so there'd be the spill you know right and uh, like you know you kind of put a, um, a little bit of water and a little bit of water and a little bit of water in a pot each day for you know a month or two and then the next minute um you know, it spills all over the bench. <laughs> so, and, There's a big so, fat mess to clean up. Yeah, I certainly think that that's the way with communication. You have to kind of, you know, water goes into the cup and then you either drink it or throw it out. You can't put more water on top of old water. You know, it just, it just, it gets over, it overflows. Yeah. So, so, where, so yeah. Where, do you, where do you think that the anger and the insecurity come from? Oh, I think it comes from um, just lots of different life experiences and the echo chamber that we grow up in, you know. We're in um, a world where emotions are suppressed, so the general way of dealing is to overflow. Um, Generally, there's there's a lot of um, detachment, um, not a lot of ownership and awareness around our day-to-day behavior. And one of the um, definite things that I live by absolutely is um, I am the only person I can control. Exactly. And, exactly. And I, yeah. And it's massive, right? So, so then I, I think, well, if I can actually show up with my behavior, to the best of my ability and my mantra is behave well in a bad situation because I am all I have so to hold dignity and grace within a difficult situation and be constantly aware of how you are reacting or behaving or showing up Uh then it doesn't overflow but I don't think many of us are doing that you know and it certainly took me years and years and years to get to that too um right I grew up I grew up in a mining town in Yorkshire um, and it's tough there. It's cold. It was, um, the work's hard. You know, people are, you've got to be streetwise. It's a, it's a tough neighborhood and everybody there um, 
how absolute they say Yorkshire people are salt of the earth, you know, they're grounded, they'll tell you how it is, but there's no messing, you know. And right. and so you can see, um, I grew up during during a stage where there was a miners' strike that went on upwards of two years where people were wow. fighting. It was massive. Wow. A lot of the children who I were was friends with at school when I was 10, 11, 12, um, they, their dads were in fights with people who they'd been in alliances with for years, families who had, you know, been, um, yeah, been mining and, and sharing this um, for years. And now they were fighting and it was, yeah, it was a lot of exposure to aggression and violence. And yeah, and, um, yeah so I think, I think you just grow up not really knowing how to navigate your own feelings. So did that, did that experience make you tough, like as sort of a protective mechanism because you saw all of that fighting going on around you? It's like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want to be involved in that. As a woman? Yeah. Not as a child. I was terrified as a child. I was just, I was pretty, um, yeah, I had that, that kind of real empathic kind of personality so I really kind of absorbed a lot of it and it, it frightened me I looked down a lot <laughs> wow you know, I just thought you know I just I'll just stay right out of that and I I also um felt nervous of having a voice you know I felt nervous of speaking my truth and of saying what I thought because um you know I had a real belief that you know nobody really wanted to hear that because it was coming from a young girl, you know, and, um, yeah. And yeah. you, and you saw other people being, uh, having conflict because they were speaking their truth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, what I know as a, as an adult, you know, you look around and you think, wow, what a terrible thing to go through uh, as a man looking at um, going back to work to feed your family because there's no money and no food and no ability to pay bills and you're the provider. And so you're wanting to go back to work, but that means kind of um, straying away from your whole community and doing the wrong thing and people being furious with you and you breaking picket lines. Right. on a bus each day and going through a crowd of angry people spitting at the bus and you know I mean wow like what a terrible decision to make right and, um I can't even imagine the situation that they will put in um yeah my heart goes out to them for that uh, but obviously as, as a young girl I didn't I didn't really um yeah have that insight to that I just was you know I just knew this was a tough situation so how so how did you approach your relationships yeah well at the, at the beginning I think um I think I was just um wandering around um a bit lost really um I don't know whether I had full access to my heart either uh-huh. so I don't think that I truly had the ability to love. Um, So, you know, you kind of go in and out of relationships for that kind of giggly feeling that you get as a girl without um, it being real love. You know, I don't think I did 
have real love for a long time. Um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I just ended up thinking, oh yeah, I'm at that age. You have a boyfriend and then you end up in a relationship, you know, mm -hmm. and then you navigate it from there. Mm -hmm. And um, I just didn't really know what I was doing. It's like anything. It's like when you have a baby and you, they, you take it home and you go, what now? You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like everybody thing. says, Oh, the pregnancy is the hardest. And you're like, uh, no, it's getting home and That's going right. now. what? <laughs> yeah. And it's the same, you know, when all of a sudden you're in a long-term relationship and you turn around one day and nobody's giving you a book for that either. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Kind of like all of our relationships are like that. You know, we get given this new thing to look after. And unless we feed the right things into it, and unless we really um, sit with ourselves about what that person needs, be it, be it a tiny baby or a relationship, it can't thrive, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, that, I think that's the whole piece um, where you said you are the only person in, you know, in control of you. And that mm. how are you showing up in your relationship? Are you showing up as a person that helps nurture and care for the relationship? Or are you showing up as the opposite? Mm. That's right. And it's like anything. I know when I had a baby, I had to really go, wow, what person do I want this little guy to see? Yeah. You know? And there was a lot of shaming in my behavior when I first had a baby because I'd react to something and go, oh, like, I don't want my child to see this person. This is right. not good enough. And it was a real kind of mirror. You know, I had to really hold up a mirror and, and um, really take on board who I wanted to be seen as by this amazing new person who I was going to be the apple of his eye because I'm his mom. Right. And, um, and no matter what happens between the mother-child relationship, they will always look to you for, the, for that kind of security and for the, that knowing um, that they have either your approval or your backing or, look, this is how we do it because that's what mum did or said, you know. And you have this really sacred time when they're babies in order to create um, how they see you dealing with life. Right. And it was important for me to make sure that my relationship was um, was not going to be damaging, you know. So, but I think what I did then is I ended up not saying anything, you know. Mm, why? Come over here. Because then I had my daughter and I'd go, come over here, kids, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, because I do... Um, I love um, Rudolf Steiner's work and how he talks about, you know, in the early years and, you, you know, you create, the world is a place of wonder. Right. You know? And um, so you're wanting to create the base belief system within them that the, the world is full of wonder. Yeah. And so you don't want them to experience all of the things that sure they're going to experience as they get into their teens, they can train in what it's really like kind of getting towards being an adult, but they certainly don't need to, um, to be rocked in their younger years. That's where we, we're wanting them to believe we build the optimism. Yeah. Right. See, like being able to see infinite possibilities that the world has yeah. to offer. And just that the world, um, not, not as, um, the world is good, 
but also then as they get a bit older that the world is beautiful right so um, to see goodness in people when they enter the world and as they grow through these younger years then to see the beauty in the everyday and that is a really beautiful solid base to come from so obviously our relationships have a huge bearing on that so if the world is good but mom and dad are at each other's throat it's not good for that long you know right if the world is really beautiful out there the trees and everything but then when we get home it kind of looks a bit ugly you know um so I felt really huge responsibility and so um I was doing lots and lots and lots I've been doing personal development work for 25 years um and I definitely had um, struggles with mental health. I would go in and out of feeling depressed and, and really going deeply into that um, and coming out with, with different emotions around it that I would then have to navigate within a relationship and within my parenting and within the fact that I was running my own business and all of these pressures, you know, that we have to show up to in our best way. So... Yeah, I I think I just I got to a point in my relationship where I would take take the kids to the wonder or to the good and just uh, like put off the other stuff, you know. Like it's um, like it's your escape. Yeah, I was just like, well, I don't want to do this in front of the kids, uh-huh. so we're just not going to do it. And then of course it would boil over. Um but what I ended up doing is I took on the pressures of the family. And it was exhausting. You know, so you want you um, want to talk about that a little more? Well, like if my husband was failing at something, I'd go, okay, you know, and I'd positive it up and I'd be like, We're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and come on and you know, like it's all right, we can do this and and then we'd have big things happen that were really quite traumatic and um you know, I mean my husband lost his business, his business partner. Um kind of disappeared in the night with all of the money and wow. uh, well, yeah and, and my daughter was four months old and of course as the provider and as the man holding the family together it, you know it's a big thing and that really affected him um and uh yeah then that caused a ripple effect through the family of course and I ended up going to work and working really really hard in this office job to kind of make up for the money that was missing to save the house and of course we we um I don't like that saying we lost the house we didn't lose it we had to sell it because we couldn't afford to live there anymore. <laughs> right right not like it disappeared into <laughs> Brigadoon or whatever but um but yeah it was it was really rough for yes. all of us because we loved the house as well. It had views to the mountains and, you know, it was really quite special. And it's this huge grieving process where just even people coming to look at the house to buy it was this mix of devastation and fury, you know. And, um, and then, you know, all of the sadness and the grief that, that goes along with that. But, um, but I'm very like, you know, we're not going to lose this dream we'll do this and we'll do that but it just meant that I ran um I run on empty and um and eventually you know that does catch up with you um but I I am that kind of person that was thing I that is my personality but but I think you went in a relationship where you create um that you're coping with everything 
Right. And everybody else can just let go. Right. Right. You hold, you hold all of the emotional space for everybody else mm. and no one's really holding any for you. But as well, financially, I ended up, you know, kind of going, okay, well, I'll, I'll run that as right. well. Right. And, um, and then what I found in my relationship is that's where then um, he could, he could take control back by then when he got back on his feet. Um, there was this real kind of, horrible toing and froing with finances and um and then you know that kind of niddling voice where he could say quite abusive things to me about um well you can't this and you can't that around money so I started doubting that I was actually able to do it but I can see on reflection that as a man he was trying to claim back right ability to financially manage this family Right. And I'd gone off and done it while he hadn't been able to do that. And, um, and instead of us both being at a stage in our development where we could have really owned that, hey, this is a struggle for me not being fully in control of our financial gain. This is a real struggle for me not being the full provider and to see you in this strength. Um, how it played out where he, he was quite abusive and quite um, the saboteur in my business. And, um, yeah. And then of course you feel, um, like, wow, why would you do that? And, you know, oh my God. And it's hurtful. And, and, um, do you think that that related to him not feeling like you really needed him? Um, I think it was more the fight with himself that he needed me. I think that um, I think that it was a it it was a push pull like everything's this push pull you know like I right. think as as I um, because at the same time I had stepped into my masculine right right so um, that's not ideal you know and of course now in my forties um, that's my fight is to get my feminine to be, you know, um, more present than the masculine. I definitely need my masculine energy because I'm an action person. But I, I, I'm, I really um, try to acknowledge the fall back into feminine. I really have to kind of observe that in myself. Okay, what energy am I in? It's time to fall. It's time to fall. So... Do you, do you, do you feel like though people, depending on a particular circumstance or situation that they're in, they need more quote unquote feminine or masculine qualities. And so it should, it should normally be sort of an ebb and flow of what particular, you know, emotions this situation calls for. And so, and when people aren't doing that, I think that that's when they're, they have problems because they're not owning both of those aspects of themselves. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. The, and that's the thing with relationships. Sometimes somebody's wearing the pants and the next year somebody else is like, right. it's just the way it goes, right? right. So, um, we can't be caught up in that. Um, you know, if, if I go all into feminine and go, oh my God, you didn't like queen me this weekend and I didn't feel, you know, 
level, like um, that's not going to work either. You right. know, as right. a guy coming up and going, you know, no, you need to stay in the home and I need to earn the money. That's, you know, it's the extremes of anything where things right. go. Right. So if we can sit solidly in the base of, hey, this is who I am and this is where I'm coming from. Um, and, and I know that I've just behaved really badly about that. And this is the reason why. Um, and that they can go, you know, yeah, when you did that, it kind of like, you know, you're taking my balls here, you know. Uh, so that when, when they do feel that that is overstepping, um, to be able to say and go, oh, my God, yeah, totally, you know, so that you can have this kind of open dialogue about when each one's going too far. Because once you do step into the pants, <laughs> it's knowing when to then, you know, put back, put dress back on. Because if you're having to run the business and run the kids and blah, 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 day in, day out for, say, 12 months while somebody else in the relationship is in a recovery situation from a trauma, it, it's not um, – I don't know whether we actually have that switch where we go, oh, it's time to turn off now and let him take the lead again. Right. You just, you're just in it. You're just you do, doing you it. You do it. You're doing it because you're on autopilot. It's like this is what needs to be done yeah. and this is what I have to do. And so at some point then we have to, and I don't think it's an, an emasculating energy because it's not abusive, right? but it does minimize the masculine presence for them. And so depending on their personality, it means they can disappear into more of their feminine. And then you get this kind of interchange of like, oh, you know, like I do everything and he doesn't do anything and blah, blah, blah. But you're actually setting up the dynamic constantly um by you know it's like when somebody's going to buy drugs you don't give them money because you're enabling right so we have to look in our relationship and say well what part of my behavior is enabling this to go on and that's when the discussions are oh actually that's just what he's like and this is not for me or Ah, oh, okay. So I really, that really was impacting him. And now he's stepped up to meet me. And that's the difference, isn't it? The divorce piece is whether the person that you're with wants to step up to meet you or exactly. whether you just married the wrong guy. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. I, I don't know about wrong guy, right guy. I sort of, yeah. you know, I, I feel like you make the best choice based on where you are at the particular moment. And yes. And, you know, for instance, with my situation, he was a great guy. We had a lot of good times, but there came to a point, you know, the further along that we got in the relationship where he was not stepping up and taking responsibility for himself, where he was not controlling himself and it spilled out, you know, it was the big flood, you know, through the rest of the family and that's why it always comes back to how are you showing up? Mm. You know, you can, you can still be authentic and say, you know, this frustrates me or I'm angry about this or I'm upset about this, but how, how are you taking responsibility for whether is what I'm doing helping our relationship or is what I'm doing hurting our relationship? Mm. And if it's hurting, then what do I need to do differently? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I know for a fact I wasn't this woman in that marriage. I wasn't. And a lot of my growth has come from the pain that that caused, you know, right, right. Uh, which is 
you know, it's just the growth piece. It's the life. Um, and I know if I was this woman now, when I met him, I wouldn't have been with him. Right. So where I've, be, where I've come to now, we're so far apart. But when I met him, oh, I loved him. I, of course. I deeply loved him. He's the, the person I can say when I look back um, for all, all the drama and all the difficulty that's, that's ensued from it. Um, I can say to my children, I loved your dad. I yeah. really did love him so very much. And, um, and so now, after all of the difficulty that has happened since the divorce, um, it's a nice place for me to go to, to just remember that, that, um, hey, I made the right decision at the time because I really did love him very much. Right. And, um, and, and I loved him from the place where I was at the time. Right. Um, well, and, and especially for your kids too, because, you know, they're, that he is a part of them. Yes. And so to, and so <clears throat> that's one of the things that, you know, I have a hard time when people talk about, oh, my ex was blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but when you say that you're affecting your children, you know, my kids are amazing and they have both good qualities from him and bad qualities from him, just like yeah. they have good qualities from me and bad qualities from me, <laughs> you know, and it's figuring out how to navigate all of it. Yeah. And I do have something to add in that, which was very difficult for me. Um, after uh, we separated, it got really quite difficult and it didn't go well. Uh -huh. And I was trying to stay very, you know, oh, Positive. your dad does love you. I know that this is difficult, but just kept the narrative that their dad loved them and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> to try and never pull the other parent down in front of them to say, you know, your dad loves you and da, 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 and all of this to the point then that a couple of years in when their experiences were quite difficult I actually had a counselor pull me up and pull me into the room after they had been talking to somebody and this was probably three years into some of the difficulty and she said I really need you to stop telling your children positive things about their dad now because they're experience of him is not congruent with what you're saying exactly and so what they're thinking now is that there's obviously something wrong with them right because he does all of these things that you keep saying and I was like what <laughs> I just it just threw me completely because I was yeah. like now I don't know where to go with that because if I'm then saying yeah yeah he actually behaved really badly and was a bit of an asshole. Like, <laughs> um, how can that be okay when that's their dad? But at the same time, I was actually causing insecurity and, and difficulty to them by not acknowledging their experience. Right. And I had never even considered that. I thought I was doing the right thing. Yeah. Which is another real drop in for any parent within the child relationship which of course it comes down from from the actual parental relationship is um that we're totally coming at it from our own experiences so a lot of the time we make decisions on how to behave around our children based on what we would have wanted 
or what we missed when we were kids. Oh, well, this didn't happen for me, so I'm going to give them that. Or when I was young, I know I would have wanted this. So we come from that place, which has come from heart and beauty and, you know, the, the very best. But, but then when we're actually looking at their experience, it's not our experience. And we're, we need to ask the question, what do they need? Right. What did they need for their personality in their experience that's got absolutely nothing to do with me? Right. To stop my um, narrative, to stop my thoughts of my own kind of big noting of knowledge. Oh, well, I know this and I'm going to offer you that and I'm just going to be such a great parent in this situation. (laughs) Well, no, actually. No, you're not because you're not. You're not validating their experience. I wasn't just coming to them cleanly. You know, I was coming to them with what I thought they needed, with what I'd been told to do, with this kind of um, dignity that I was going to behave well. And what a shock it was to me that it was actually causing damage. That was a real sideswipe. And then, of course, I had to acknowledge some of the things that were going on. And then years later, as they've got older, I feel like, oh, my God, have I hurt them by telling them that it wasn't okay and that you know like what part did I play now in the difficulty of their relationship should I you know that question of what's my responsibility and then you have to kind of you know surrender to the whole thing and think this was a chosen experience already and we kind of need to let it all go and land wherever it lands for everybody and and as stuff comes up in the future to just be available for that conversation but Yeah, I I think that's the most important part of being a parent is showing up authentically, you know, and trying to keep these dialogues open with your kids about, you know, when their dad was acting like a jerk and the kids would be like, why? And I say, you know, your dad really struggles with this and this is not how you treat people that you love. And, you know, ask your dad about this, ask your dad about why he does what he does or, you know, like trying to get trying to encourage them to have that conversation with him so that it could be healing for both them and him. Yeah. 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 I think it's, yeah. And you know, we're, we're going through this in our society a lot. Um, I mean, you know, I'm a single mom, so I, um, I'm growing up trying to be both parents to my children and, and, um, And at the same time, do a job where they don't look at this woman going out every day, kind of like, oh, she's going out to the grind again for us. You know, I don't want them to have that level of of kind of guilt around me working hard to give them the life that I want for them. And, and, you know, I think that's important as well for that masculine feminine balance that they see me enjoying my work and, and, and being good at it. And, um, yeah, I, I remember years ago I went to a school um, to drop them off and there was an event happening that I couldn't attend because I had to work. Right. And I had this real, you know, like, oh, my God, look at all these people being, you know, great mums. And and here I am. And this was really early on in the piece. And a lady turned to me and she said, well, maybe it's just because you're really good at what you do and you're teaching them that. Wow. And I went, oh. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Let me love you, I said to her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank but you yeah. for validating me. <laughs> yeah, 
just thought, yeah, you know, all of these things that we bring to our relationships and to our children, they are totally unique to us. And, um, yeah, and that's the, the thing, isn't it, about all our relationships. They're so used to us and we bring in all of our insecurities and our vulnerabilities and how can anybody know what to do with us because they've never met anybody quite like us before. Right. <laughs> us with them. We've never met them before because we go on about how fabulously unique we are and then we're kind of almost trying to put everybody in the same box. And... Uh, it, it can't, it can't happen, you know? So how, so what's the difference? Do you think that there's a difference with the way that you're raising your sons and your daughters? Oh God. Yeah. How? I mean, Australia is a very, very lucky country. It's a beautiful place to raise children. You know, um, I think really one of the things I keep looking at is, the gratitude piece really as well to say yeah you do have a great life and so it's about being really grounded in what's real and what's not real and the materialism that we're around and there's a lot very very different environment now to when I was growing up just with technology and media alone I mean I I trained in the typing pool on an old school like kind of push typewriters <laughs> You know, like you <laughs> along the thing, like the good old nine to five with Dolly Parton. That was me. <laughs> Where you had to press those keys really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and so and I, I learned how to type blindfolded. Oh my so gosh! Touch type. You know, so we'd know exactly where the keys were, because you used to have to type onto a carbon paper, so you had to be oh, accurate. Wow. So anyway, we digress, but um, <laughs> but yeah, so. I talk about feelings in my house, you know, I talk about feelings and I've got better at it as I've got older and I've had more children, <laughs> you know, um, not expecting them to be happy all the time. And especially my girls, you know, so much pressure on girls to, to smile, to smile, be pretty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, you're so beautiful. No, like I do tell my children they're beautiful, of course, but I tell all four of them they're beautiful. Right. Um, and when I say you're gorgeous, I mean, they're insides and right. I tell them they're clever and that they make me happy and that, you know, I tell them um, they make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. All these beautiful things like yeah. Uh, my love language is words of affirmation. Uh -huh. So that's what I offer as well as that's what I need to receive. And the other, my, sec my secondary one, sorry about that, John. My secondary um, love language is um, acts of service. So I like to do things for them and, you know, hug them and, you know, make sure that they've got everything they need. And what, and what are their, their love languages? Well, definitely. Um, I think, um, my son is fun, you know, he, he's just, he's playful and I'm not sure exactly what their love languages are, but I know how they receive it, you know? Uh -huh. Um, so I think all of them, my daughter, my young daughter, I have twins age six and, um, my my six-year-old she's a words of affirmation person and a physical touch person um she wants to be held and and you to tell her that you love her definitely um 
my son seems to be my little son six-year-old he seems to be acts of service person because he's always the one who'll save somebody like he'll say you know this happened and I did this for them you know that's sweet and I looked after that for them you know and I I think yeah whereas my daughter my 15 year old she's an incredible listener she just holds space um quite extraordinary for her age you know Mm. so and she just observes and then she'll just come out with some wisdom that blows my mind (laughs) but I think the biggest takeaway is that I I let them have their feelings I go yeah that must be awful or you know not just oh well you've got to do this and blah 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 and I just go yeah that that does feel funny yeah or yes that sucks yeah that's right yeah (laughs) So, and, um, yeah, just allowing them to be wherever they are and not pushing them to be anything particular. And I, and another thing I put concentration on is when you get out into the world, you've probably not even found yet what your gift is. Right. You know, right. Because, um, we don't use our gifts in school. We learn the basics, right? If you're a gifted academic, then you will find it in school. But most things that we are really gifted in, we don't even know we have. So right. please just do your days, enjoy your friends and do your best because for sure um, that's not everything about how you're going to show up on, on the planet. This is not everything you have. Right. Yeah, I, I always try to help my kids um, yeah, first honor honor whatever they're feeling, and and this is this is one of the sayings that I would tell them, like, you know, because there were times in their lives that they have been not very nice at all for long periods of time, and I would say, I love you, and I will always have your back, but right now I just really don't like you, and I don't want to yeah. hang around with you, and that's okay, you know, but to accept wherever they are and say, you know, when you're ready to come out and speak respectfully and have a conversation, you know, then I'm here ready, you know, available for you. And so that you give, you give people permission to just accept wherever they are. It's a really beautiful gift to give somebody as well as a beautiful gift to give yourself. Mm. And honesty. Yeah. Honesty is key for me. That's one of my big values. And so when the kids were little, it was like, tell me whatever's happened, even if you're in trouble. Right. And I guarantee you won't be in trouble if you tell me. Right. And so they've told me things that have been, when they've been little, I'm like, oh my God, I should kill you for that. (laughs) I've never, ever acted like that. I've never reacted. I've always gone, wow, that, that's that's not so good but the fact that you told me that I'm so sorry John <laughs> just come into the um into the garden um but yeah so yeah I just think when you go to them then and you say well we're not going to do that we're not going to react to that honesty I'm going to let you have that without hurting you and without making you feel bad or shaming right and I have found that as they become teenagers they tell me everything yeah mm. yeah it's... That, that is a gorgeous relationship then you know 
It is. I, I feel very blessed too, because I have the same relationship with my kids. They don't, they don't tell me everything, you know, some things they reserve for their friends, but pretty much I know the, the big ones, <laughs> the big things that are going on. And, and it's really, uh, I hope, you know, that it will help us continue to develop this beautiful, loving, um, you know, relationship into the future as they become adults and as they have similar struggles of identity or feelings of insecurity or, you know, whatever they're navigating in life that they know that they can be who they are. You know, I know that that authenticity is really important to you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And that in that way as well, they see us in our vulnerability because I'll get home and I'll say, you know, I've actually had a really tough day and this yeah. made me feel like this. Yeah. So that then, you know, they will have that emotion and go, Oh yeah, I've seen this played out and it's right. okay. Right. And, um, and times when I feel like I've behaved badly as a parent, I've had to go to the kids and say, you know, I'm not proud of how I behaved there. You exactly. Know? And it would be remiss of me to tell you that this always goes well because it really doesn't. Right. You know? And, um, and sometimes it looks like this. So that when my daughters grow up, for example, and they're a working mom or they're navigating whatever it is they're navigating, they know that it's not hysterical to get upset about something. That it's not <laughs> right. An over-emotional response. It's okay. It's an emotion. Yeah. yeah. And if somebody can't handle that emotion, that's actually their projection. Um, right. You have to be able to show up as you are. And it's not all smiling. It has right. to be authentic and true and and sometimes those moments are deep they're vulnerable sometimes they're sad sometimes they're um yeah there needs to be a, a conversation and um yeah i think it's nice to to model that yeah for, I, for relationships with men as well yeah i know i've i've cried a million times in front of my kids you know and and for the boys especially you know, to say, yeah, this is really hard. This is really painful. This is really tough. And, you know, I can be, I can be crying one minute and five minutes later, I'll be laughing. <laughs> and to say, you know what, you can hold space for both of these simultaneously. It's not either or, you know, it's, yeah. it's just having this human experience and whatever it is, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think that's really, that's really valuable. And, and, and in my relationships with men, I, I speak out why something affects me the way it does, why I feel about something, the way I feel about something. I think um, it's very, um, it's kind of mean to expect somebody to just know why. Right. <laughs> because um, we've, by the time we meet somebody, there's already 25 chapters before them. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're not going to kind of, like, I love that saying, you can't pick up the book at page 370 and think you know me. <laughs> I've never heard that, but I love that. <laughs> I love that, you know, because you can't. And right. it's our responsibility to introduce ourselves wholly to our partner. Yeah. And, um, and to say, this is the woman you're getting. And then as things come up on your part in the discontent, yes. and, and then you make decisions based around that as to whether it's going to work or not, you know? Right. And, right. Um, 
as long as, I as a lot older and has more experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you want somebody to show up in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Ideally, definitely. And I think that there's, there's people looking for that too. You know, yes. lots of going, Oh my God, please give me that. Because right now I do not know how to navigate a woman, all this divine feminine rising and all I'm feeling is aggression and, and it's too masculine. We're coming at them with too much of our masculine. And that's very, very difficult um, for them to, um, to show up to a lot of really strong, amazing women that I know are attracting men who are of a weaker personality than theirs. And that's not saying they're weak. It's saying that they don't have that same level of, of showing up that, that the, of the woman that they've been attracted to. And so then the more powerful woman is kind of complaining that this guy's not strong enough or he doesn't this, he doesn't do that. And, and I think that is the counterbalance. When you're balanced in yourself, you meet somebody who's balanced. Right. When, you, when you're more masculine, you pull somebody who's more feminine. Right. When you're more feminine, you pull somebody who's more masculine. So you, you get women who are quite mousy and a little bit more timid and a bit too feminine. And they have really quite powerful partners. And if that's the balance that they're looking for because they've got no intention of, you know, moving more into masculine, that's the perfection of that. Right. But it depends on what you're looking for but it either has to balance you because you don't want to balance you or you have to balance yourself um, exactly. and find somebody else who's equally as balanced, you know, um, because I think the masculine feminine, it really is a scale. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'm, that's, that's my thought. Mm. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that because I, because I, I think that we have, you know, equal amounts of both. And like I was talking about sort of that ebb and flow between depending on what circumstance you're in, but when you can own fully and embrace and embody both sides of yourself, you come, you come, you come to your partner in a more whole way. You know, that there aren't parts of you that you're trying to hide or suppress or whatever. You're fully owning all of yourself. Mm. And it's all of, it's all of your heart. It's all of your soul. Um, it's all of your mind. It's all of your body. It's like that acceptance that you give yourself because you're embracing all of you. What a beautiful gift to give somebody. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. I, and I, you know, that's, that's what I would like. I want, I, I've been working really hard at trying to find my balance as you have, as, uh, as you have too. And, you know, so I, I think that we're going to find somebody that meets us in that way because of what we experienced in the past. We're not going to accept anything less than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And equally, you're looking for somebody who has gone through their relationships and grown also. Right. And said, well, actually, I found out this about myself that I right. had no idea. I was walking around in my masculine ego in my 20s, and I probably behaved well in that relationship. I didn't behave well in that relationship either. Right. right. Now I know this about myself. Now I know what I'm looking for. So you need, if you're, a, this is the thing, whatever you are, you need to get that mirrored back. So right. 
Um, so if I'm looking for somebody to support me because I don't want to be in that space of running things, then I do want somebody who's in their full masculine and has a less of a feminine space. Um, and that to me is ideal. Or it might be that like, you know, actually I love being that corporate high flyer. I don't want anybody who's competing with me. I want somebody who's just going to kind of come in and, and fill that kind of space of softness that they bring the softness to the relationship and other people are meeting in other ways. And, and in our, our society, there should be room for all of these decisions, right. all of types of relationships right. and it shouldn't be out there judging, you know, Oh, she wears the pants. He doesn't, he's this, he's that he's abusive. She's, you don't know what, they're actually showing up to each other with and saying, Oh God, I'm so grateful that you're filling that role because right. I just want to be in that space. Right. And to the outside eye, it could be terrible, but if it's not, I mean, obviously there's the times when there's abuse in either area that, you know, either the woman is emasculating the man or the man, there's a domestic violence scene where, you know, that's not okay again the extremes of everything right but um but yeah we we need to just come to the t table with what we have really and and then hopefully we'll get met in that space by somebody who really understands what we're talking about well <clears throat> well and the thing too i think as you evolve you know as you go through your own personal growth and transformation that you have someone that supports you in your own growth, you know, because, because you could vacillate between the two, you know, I, I want to be taken care of, or I want to, you know, go out and do, do, do. Um, and so because each person shows up differently every single day, it's about waking up and saying, Oh, huh, how are you going to show up today? What are you, what are you needing today? And really trying to, to navigate. It's not like, you ever really solve it. It's more like you just navigate how each other shows up. And as long as you're trying to be loving and supportive and, you know, compassionate and caring and, um, you know, working towards the betterment. That's the security. I think yeah. that comes from the security. If you're showing up secure. Right. And connected. Right. That's the safety. It's a safety security connection piece. Yeah. And, um, and that comes from maturity, I think. Right. A lot of personal growth. Not, not, it doesn't necessarily come with maturity for somebody who hasn't done the growth to find security. So that's probably yeah. not correct. But, but, um, but yeah, I think for me, um, it's the security. When I'm fully connected, I don't have to worry and so there's a safety, so there's a softness in that for me. Like there's this, oh my God, thank God I've got a place to fall. Right. Not be so strong. Right. That's something that's beautiful for me. Um, and so that's important. Whereas Facebook and all this external projection of like how vulnerable we are online, we're actually looking for attention and approval. There's no connectedness there so much. We're all connected online, but we're not connected in our hearts. So we post something and there's that constant look to see whether we've been approved of. Right. If we were saying that to a partner we were connected with, we're not looking for their approval. We know they've got us. 
Right. Exactly. And that, and that's what I want. I want to know that my partner has, has got me. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, they don't need to approve of us. No, we're still safe. Right. 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 I, yeah. Like I want to be the safe place for my partner and I want my partner to be the safe place for me. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So in our world, world, (laughs) we can co-create whatever world we want. (laughs) So, so my last question is, uh, how do you define real love? Oh, I, I, I want to look at somebody who has a, just this silent smile on their face, just watching me do my day. <laughs> like that just, I can show up however I am and feel secure. True love for me is not, um, it has no condition. It's, it's unconditional, but to, to an extreme. Um, there's a softness in it. There's a beauty in it. It's sensual. It's deep. And, um, and they trust you to manage your own feelings and emotions because they know who you are. So I suppose true love defined to me is somebody having complete and total belief in me. Um, and because of their belief in me, it's so true and so visible to me that I have complete and total belief in them and in my place in that relationship Mm. in a completely, and it's an unconditional space. Mm. Beautiful. I wish that for you. (laughs) Thank you, darling. And I'm sure sure there are going to be plenty of possibilities as well. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed, hey? (laughs) So for our listeners, uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, Helen, to find out more about your work and your podcast, where can they find you? Well, the Modern Masculine podcast is on iTunes, on Google Play, Sketcher, and a number of different podcasting places. I'd love people to hop on and subscribe. It's really quite important work. And to talk to me about coaching or mentoring um, or any kind of authenticity speaking, you can contact me through helenglover.com.au. Perfect. And I will go ahead and post that underneath the link for the podcast as well. Um, And if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends. And if you would like support in finding more connection, expansion, freedom, and acceptance in your relationships, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at The Awakening with Dawn. Feel free to send me a message, and I'd be happy to help you find and create more real love in your life. And as Helen and I were talking about, you know, this, this point of really taking care of your own stuff, you know, being in your heart, being authentic, showing up connected, doing your own work. Uh, I, I just want to remind people that the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself so that you can be the kind of partner that you want to have. So thank you so much for joining me, Helen. It's been a total honor and pleasure. And I hope to have you back many, many more times. 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So that's it for now. Uh, thanks you guys for listening and I'll, and I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.